Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create amazing relationships. I'm George Camel, here with my co-host, Mr. Ken Coleman, best-selling author and host of The Ken Coleman Show. And we're here for you, America, taking your calls on money and work and everything in between at 888-825-5225. Rebecca's going to kick us off in Pensacola. Rebecca, welcome to The Ramsey Show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can Ken and I help? Um, I am fortunate to have a parent who wishes to help me out a little bit. I'm in a tough situation right now with my vehicle, and I have a parent who says, I just found out that she has a bond that she had purchased years ago with me in mind and is offering to cash that bond and so I can get a vehicle, um, a safer vehicle, a better vehicle. And while I'm very glad of that, there are going to be strings attached. And I'm wondering if there are points that I might be able to diplomatically make with her to convince her that I am mature enough to find, you know, shop and find a vehicle on my own without it being relegated to my brother who is in, uh, you know, a thousand miles away. She and my brother live a thousand miles away. There's a, an interesting family dynamic. But what, what's the strings? Be, the strings attached are the money is only for a vehicle, only if they buy it. And I know how I drive and the things that I like to do. And I would like to have some agency in picking it. And on the outside chance that I can find something nicer, you know, nice enough for less than the full amount of the bond. Perhaps I could put some of that money away for maintenance or for a, a little savings. Um, and you've told them this. To you told your controlled. mother this. I have. I just found out about it. So no, I just asked if it had to be a vehicle if they had to pick it, and she said yes. Yeah, that part's confusing. It sounds like she doesn't trust you. No, she's. She's controlling. It's always been like that. And I, while I am very grateful for the potential gift. How much are we talking here? Possibly up to $10,000. Okay. And are you in debt currently? What's your financial situation? I'm not in debt. However, I am an unemployed and I'm living off my savings. I am, you know, I'm, I'm worried and struggling and trying to get a job and... You know, I don't know what the future is going to hold for me, just like everybody else, but I'm really, I'm not in a good financial position. I saved and worked my butt off and put money away, and I've been living off savings, but... Are the strings attached over, like, let's let's just say they just gifted you a car, you had no idea about it, it was not the car you would have chosen, but it's a free car, and you're going to take it. How would you feel about that? Okay. You know what? I get the point. I would just be like, hey, a free car. It's amazing. It's not my dream car, but I'm going to. Now, here's the thing. What if you saved up and you were like, you know what? I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to sell this car and upgrade to the car I really want down the line. Would they then be upset? It's possible. I don't know. Because that's the part that worries me is that we're not done. There's more strings attached to this string. That's the part that scares me where I'd go, you know what? Thanks for the offer. It's very kind of you. I'm going to handle this one. I'm going to get a job and just save up and get upgrade over time and get the cars that I want. Mm-hmm. 
But otherwise, I'm taking the free car, but it sounds like there's more to the story that you, you're not going to share in this call. I I, I, I want to dig a little bit more. Can I? Because I think George is on to it. He's got he had great spidey sense there. spidey senses were tingling. Yeah. I, but he, when he asked you, would there be strings attached if you upgraded, meaning you sold this car they gave you and down the line, and you said, um, probably, but I'm not sure. It doesn't feel like there would be a whole lot of blowback. That wouldn't be your answer if you thought it was going to be like a big deal. Am I right? Um, you may be right. The, the actually, I think part of my hesitation in answering was simply because, wow, I hadn't even thought of it until you started leading up ah, to that. That hey, okay. well, take it and you can. And I was processing what you were leading to, and I was thinking, well, why couldn't I just do that? We've just seen it all on this show, and no one thinks through all the different angles and what's going to happen three years from now. And all the relational mm-hmm. issues that could pop up. And so I'm just thinking ahead going, but okay, what if but what I if? love your scenario, George? So Rebecca, what if you did what George said and you yeah. do and, and, and now this is an upgrade responsibly. Is there any scenario by which your mother would get upset over that? I don't think so. I don't I guess either. I'm just like, I, I hate to see, I, I guess there's a trust issue. I don't trust them to, to get a good car. He isn't known for that. He has, my brother has like lots of junky cars that he's going to buy and right. pick up and turn over and all that. And I'm like, wow, I hate to see all of that money just blown on. Well, oh, this looks good. Let's get her this. But isn't it your call? Is I think isn't I it your like. call though? No. I missed that. I think it's going to be up to him. Oh. Mm. He's a, he's a thousand, they're a thousand miles away in a rust belt state. I'm oh. in sunny Florida. Where I can get a car George, that isn't a rust car. I got I to bring George back in here, knowing what we know. I am either missed that, but if the brother's buying the car and he's got a track record of buying garbage and she doesn't get to buy the car, that makes me nervous. Yeah, because then it's going to be her problem that she's driving around and then paying for repairs and maintenance. So I wouldn't do it. If it were me, I would not take the car. I would say car. you can. we can have parameters on, hey, I'm going to get this car inspected. Here's the amount I'm going to spend. I'm not going to spend it frivolously on other things. But outside of that, this is Ooh, my good decision. good answer, George. Do you think the brother would allow you to do that? The car he picks, he's got to take it to a I don't know why this is his business. No. He's clearly not a car expert. Well, because he's the designated uh, mom, his designated brother as the expert. Is that what I'm guessing? I think so, and he. They, there's a very, there's a very um, codependent relationship between. It's almost like they're an unhealthy marriage. There it is. It's mother and son, and Yikes. so it's like he's, they're both very, very controlling, including trying to control me. Which you know, we're all much past the age of that. Um, this whole thing just feels like weird. That. Over ten grand, I just yeah. I would tread very lightly. Uh, because I think there's more where this came from down the line, and he's going to be talking to mom about what you did with that car, and it's going to just cause more relational drama down the line. So you just got to be prepared for that if you choose to do this. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. What about taxes? Rebecca, I'm out. If I were you, I wouldn't do this. This stinks. Well, you'll pay sales tax on the vehicle. Yeah. uh, And if you're registering in Florida, it would be the Florida sales tax on vehicles. That's right. So you'd have to factor that Um, in to the equation. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Would there be a tax just on her cashing this bond? Will there be a tax to me if it says POD in my name? Because I'm not, I don't think that I'm actually on the bond. I saw it 
And I saw a picture of it, and it's in her name with her social security number only. It's my name and social security number. My social security number is not on the bond, but it just says at the bottom P-O-D. It gives Rebecca's name. If she's the owner of the bond, that would count as income on her. And so I would look into that as well because that could count as taxable income for you. It's not going to be a deal breaker, but it's something to think about as you uh, file taxes. I'm out. We're out. It continues to amaze me how identity thieves keep finding ways to use our own identities against us. Not only do they commit crimes related to financial fraud, medical ID theft, and insurance benefit fraud, but now we have to deal with home title fraud. Thieves are using your own personal info to take ownership of your home so they can take out loans and you end up with a pile of debt and foreclosure notices. Over 4,000 data breaches happened in 2018, exposing 3.6 billion records. So thieves have plenty of identities to use and there's a one in five chance it will be yours. That's why Xander Insurance is the only program I use and recommend. Their plan covers all types of identity theft, and it takes over all the work if you become a victim. Visit Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. I'm George Campbell, joined by Ken Coleman. You've probably heard us talk about every dollar. It's our world-class budgeting app that helps you manage money the Ramsey way, and it simply works wherever you are, iOS, Android, or online. And you can start every dollar for free and immediately see where you stand with money. It's like a mirror for your finances. It's going to help you get organized, personalize your budget. It's going to help you stop overspending and save more money. And if you're new to every dollar, we'll show you a long-term financial roadmap which helps you track your net worth, your debt-free date, your retirement date, your baby step progress, and more. So go download the free EveryDollar app for iOS and Android, or go to everydollar.com and get started. Adam joins us up next in Omaha. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. What's going on with you? So get to the point, uh, about three weeks ago, uh, my job was dissolved. I put that in quotes because uh, I was laid off and that's what they told me was the reason. And so I'm out been, I listen to your show every day. I've been listening to you guys for years. Uh, first time caller and I've applied for lots of jobs, gotten callbacks and now I've been getting a, I got an offer in, but it's lower than I was making. And so my question is, does it behoove you to take a lower paying job while you're still looking or would it be better to either like maybe get on unemployment or just use your mer- what emergency savings you do have to uh, while you're looking for a job to get some more money in? My well, wife currently does work, so yeah, I think it depends on your financial situation. Is the answer to that question? Do you guys so have the ability to live off? Can you live off of her income for a few more months if that's what it took? It would be pretty tight. We'd probably have to sell some stuff. Um, we're baby step two and we've gone, we went from Dave from, uh, ish to full blown blown. So we've gotten rid of all of our extra money and put it into all the bills that we had. How much less, we, we do have this. how much less money would you be making if you take this current offer than what you were making? How much money less? Over 20,000. Okay. Less. So the question then becomes, uh, 
could you make that amount of money with a couple of part-time gigs uh, and and not take this full-time gig? That's one question. The other question is, if you take this full-time gig that's paying you less, things aren't going to be tight. Uh, but would it look bad if you were to move on two or three months later? Is it in the same field? Is there a negative for you taking this current offer and, and then moving on maybe a few months later? No, and that's something that my wife had brought up was is to take it's, – it's outside my normal field. I'm retired IT, the military, and it's going to be – it'll be working with veterans, helping them – helping veterans, but it's not in the IT field. I'd do it. So it, it could be something I absolutely love for. I would do it. I would healthy. do it. Yeah. It's, here's why. It's going to stabilize you financially and emotionally. It sucks. That's a good point. It really sucks to lose a job. I don't care what they say. It's dissolved or whatever. We know from psychology research that losing a job has the same emotional impact as losing a loved one. It sucks. And getting a job where you're working with veterans, even though it's not in your field of training, I I would guess that's going to help with your healing. Um, There, there's, there's, these are, these are brothers and sisters in arms, if you will, you've got a connection there. I think it's going to stabilize you just by getting back out and working again, not, not being at home. I think it's going to help the healing process. That's what I mean by stabilize you emotionally. And we know it's going to stabilize you financially because even though it's a little bit of a hit and I mean, 20,000 is over 20,000 is a significant hit. I don't want to minimize that by saying a little, the point is, is that it's not going to hurt. You guys aren't going to be hurting. You're not going to be as tight. And I think it sets you up and then, and then when you get back into IT, because I believe you will, um, you're not going to look like a flake at all. You're like, look, I went and helped veterans while I was looking for another IT job. I, I think it's a great move, George. Yeah, I'm with that. I would take this lower-paying job, especially if you've got to make this decision soon. If you don't have time to go look for that better offer, I'd rather uh, you take this one, because what we've seen is people call the show and they go, well, when's the last time you're working? Well, it's been six months, and I've just been looking for a job. I haven't found the right, perfect one yet. And I'd rather you be working in the meantime, like Ken was saying, um, you know, adding yeah. to the resume, having that impact, getting out of the house, making that money versus just continuing to look for this needle in a haystack. Now, what if it's so, yeah, so I'd be going from like Friday, one job, Monday to the new job. But what if it's something I end up loving? And I know that I've, I've heard Ramsey say uh, he talked about, well, and I even heard you guys talk about if, if you can make more, go to help get a bigger shovel. But what if I end up loving this job and it's it's not the biggest shovel? We can still make it and we'll still have our margin will still be somewhat decent to get out of debt within Yeah, the two key years. here is to not slow down your gazelle intensity. And so if that means picking up an extra side job on top of that to get out of debt by your debt free date you guys had in mind, that's fine by me. That's I, I agree with George. I what I would tell you is if you yeah. love this veteran's job, you know what you do? You go get yourself a freelance tech job, IT. Because you're good at it. You're freelance. Yeah, I've been doing it for 25 years. You're very good at it, very connected. So, yeah, I think George is absolutely right. I just pivot, and I go, I stay in the veteran's job, serving veterans. I love it. And I'm going to make some money in IT on the side and get out of debt and get the emergency fund funded, and I think that's a no-brainer. And then once you're out of debt and you're in a better place financially, you get to make the call. Do I drop the side job? Do I, you know, is this enough to, to keep our bills going and help us accomplish our goals? So thanks for the call. All right, let's go to Jordan in Irvine, California. Jordan, welcome to The Ramsey Show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. How can we help? 
also wanting to know if it makes sense to sell our current home in California, which we still have a mortgage balance of about 650000 use that equity that we've gotten from the appreciation and buy a house in cash out of state and have zero debt? Or does it make sense if we try to keep the California house, rent it out, and then take out a second mortgage loan for a new home that we'd potentially be moving to and living in? Well, I'll tell you which one sounds more stressful. Option B. I I can probably guess, yeah. Double mortgage, trying to be a landlord, long distance, all of that is going to uh, not really give you a smooth move. And when you land, you're not going to have as much peace as you would if you had no payments in the world. And you got to then save up. And if you wanted to buy an investment property in your new location, you can do that because you don't have a mortgage payment. And so that would be the time to do that. But if you said, hey, I want to buy two houses at once, we'd go, gosh, that's crazy. And so that's essentially what we're doing here. And I I understand that we can get starry-eyed at the numbers of, well, I could rent it for $3,000. I'd more than pay for the mortgage. It sounds great on paper. But the paper doesn't reflect reality of the hassle that it can be to do something like that while having two mortgages and having to cover all the repairs, maintenance, bad tenants, you name it. Sure. And I assume even if we look to have one of the property management companies where they take 10% of the monthly rent, still going to have the headache, still not worth it. Is that your opinion? Yeah. And we would, there, I don't think there's been a call on the show where we said, yeah, go ahead and keep it. Just be a long distance landlord in almost every case. uh, And if we could go back in time, I'd tell you, don't do investment property until you can pay cash and your primary home is paid off. And so this helps you sort of have a fresh start. You're going to have a home paid for in cash. That's incredible. What a great way to kick off this move that you guys are making. And uh, I don't think you're going to look back with regret at the money we could have made on the rental. Sure. No, that that all is sound and makes sense. One man's opinion. Ken, do you think uh, anything different here? I know Ken, he loves, he's like, I don't sell it. Don't sell it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Okay. I, I think you're absolutely spot on here. I've just seen too many where people said, we kept it as a rental. We thought it was going to work out. And I thought your metaphor was strong where you just said, we'd never tell you to buy two houses. And I think financially it's the same thing. I thought, what do I add to that? Like and that magnum was, opus. It was you, just, you dropped it and I went, okay. I just wanted to make sure. No, you I think you're very, right. You look pensive over there like, oh I boy. I was thinking through it. I think thinking through the motivations behind all of it. Patience yeah. is what I was thinking, but I think the financial advice is great. I would I would agree with you 100%. Wealth is patience. I'm more of a tortoise, Ken, and some people find that advice controversial these days. You know what tortoises aren't? Financially risky. That's true. They're steady. But they make it. They always make it eventually. You look like a tortoise in that shirt, by the way. Uh, I don't know if that's a compliment, but I'll take it. This is The Ramsey Show. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. I'm George Campbell, joined by my friend Ken Coleman. And we're taking your calls at 888-825-5225. It's a free call, and uh, you can make it if you so choose. If you can get through to our friend Christian uh, screen of the phone calls, he would happily let you through, and we can try to help with whatever situation you've got going on. Mike is in Phoenix up next. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. How are you? I'm oh, doing good. Thanks for uh, taking the call. Um, like listening to you guys, and uh, I'm surprised I got a call in or you know, was able to get accepted. So that's cool. Welcome. Um yeah, thank you. So uh, throughout my life, um, been a pretty good saver. Uh, 
followed Dave Ramsey's uh, path and was at baby step four. Uh, but currently, uh, it's not looking good. Um, purchased a house last year, and it found out that it's filled with mold. Um, mm. And uh, it's, it's pretty bad uh, as far as options. Um, so right now, my family, we're looking at uh, possibly having to walk away from the home um, just because it kind of ran out of options. And just, you know, I like, I love listening to you guys all the time. So I just figured, you know what, uh, maybe they might have some advice um, on maybe some next steps to take. What are your current walkaway options? What, what does that look like? Uh, short sale. Uh, um, just because, you know, foreclosure would be an option too, but short sale um, is definitely a how much option from what How I've much heard. damage is it? What 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 is the, are you getting quotes oh. on what it would take to remediate or, or fix That's it? That's correct. Yes, it's pretty extensive. Uh, it is, I'd be so underneath you know, upside down in the house if I were to do the repairs. Is it everywhere? Um, Tell me, paint the picture. Yeah, um, it is everywhere. Um, there, we do suspect that there was fraudulent activities going on um, in the home prior. Um, they, it was, you know, it was hidden pretty good. Um, not pretty good, actually hidden really well. And you've got um, a professional expect- mold expe- inspection already done? Correct, and a uh, hygienist, and you know I did all the proper precautions uh, pre-purchasing um, the home, and the home inspector found a minor spot, you know, in in an area that wasn't even um, in that general vicinity. So you know that's kind of you know sometimes you'll find that with purchases. So you know you figured all right, you know that's not you know we could we could deal with that. But then after um, moving in the house within just a few weeks and things started to show up, you know, that weren't in the area of concern and um, just started getting real concerned. So that at that point, we, you know, had a mold um, remediation company come out and do an invasive inspection just because home inspections are non-invasive, yeah. as I learned, you know. Um, so this, you're mold. telling me though, the seller knowingly concealed this mold problem and provided false that, information. That's what we're suspecting. If that's the case, I, I, I would be going yeah. to a real estate attorney. I think you've got, I've you already, could have a case here. What did they say? We've already, uh, gone down that path. Um, and then the other thing is just my concerns. Like I, I want to, to speak with you guys for, uh, in regards to way, you know, more information. I've just been kind of nervous just because there is a, a process that um, I have gone, you know, down some of the routes that you just discussed. So that's one of the things, you know, that, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing or, you know what I mean? And that, and that kind of, uh, sure. I, I mean, I don't think you have any recourse here except legal recourse. Right. I'd rather you fight this thing. And I, in the meantime, you're going to have to find a different living situation. I wouldn't be living in that house with my family. Right, yeah. But I would be looking at all the options and seeing your legal rights are going to be the big piece of this equation to see if they'll, you know, compensate to basically gut this home and do the mold remediation. Right. And, 
Yeah, just for for buyers, you know, I really am. I'm like I'm a nervous buyer now. Like I would <laughs> buying the next home is gonna is so nerve wracking. Oh yeah, you got um, some trauma now. Well, let me say this: oh, I ran yeah. into a situation uh, with our current home, uh, and 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 it was a crazy situation. We were just doing some basic remodeling and found a wall with a good amount of mold on it, and it was coming from an area uh, off of the roof that had not been flashed properly. And so once we figured it out where it was coming from then we're able to address the situation and it costs a lot of money. I mean, it, it, nowhere near what right. you're dealing with, but uh, speaking to you moving forward, I mean, a really good inspector and you're checking for it. Mold comes from water. So where was the water coming from? And, and you've got some experience now. So, oh, yeah. And it's from fraudulent activities too. That's, we suspect that it's not a natural experience that homes, through what does that mean that's my drift what are they no, like we don't know drugs what you mean are they spraying the walls on purpose i don't understand what that means so as far as what we what we suspect is you know uh growing okay so they have so they have uh it's not a greenhouse but they were treating it like a greenhouse yeah. and extra moisture to go. grow illegal okay yeah there you go that's the worst that's the worst suspect all right then so my friend you know, let's focus on the future yeah. here that's all right. That's I need to. I need the future. Like yeah. my future self. Let me tell you something. You have all the evidence in the world from these remediation companies that there is mold all over the place. That was. I would. You absolutely have got a. You find the right lawyer, who sees the basic evidence as we've heard it, and they get rewarded when you get rewarded. I would absolutely get a bulldog on this, and fight it. I need. Yeah. All right. A then. lot of the what I've been learning is not pro bono. Too. That's the other thing. Nobody so, said pro bono. Do you have money to pay for a lawyer? Personal injury lawyers get paid on the back end of situations, and so I'm guarantee you can find a lawyer who goes, "We got something here, and I'm and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take these clowns to the bank, and and I'll get paid nicely." Yeah, you the you sound like a it, wounded yeah. wounded dog, and I get it. Oh yeah, but listen, sure. yep. but, but Mike, you you got to fight for this. I do. You don't, I definitely have to. You don't have any other option. Don't take it laying down. You got you were you were a victim here. Go find a lawyer who sees it and is gonna go to the go to the mat for you. Yeah, definitely. So what's the total ro- uh, mold remediation cost? Oh, that's hefty. It we're looking at about three over three. That's just remediation. That's not rebuild. Over three hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's uh, we're not going to do that. I, What's the house worth? I don't know if I believe that. One point one. It's worth one point one. It's a what? big big place. Yeah, and it's totally covered in mold. They found it every in every wall. In, infested. Oh gosh. So they're yeah. basically rebuilding this house from scratch. It sounds like it's like bulldozer time. Golly, yeah, I would fight this. This is big enough that it's not a. Eh, it's a stupid tax. We're just going to pay it. I, there's no way. Right. Who are the? Do you That's know the pre? Do you know the previous owners? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Are what? Are they reputable people? Like out there in the community? And this was a side thing, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Yeah, probably not. They're not. Uh, probably not. I wouldn't. Right. Ever, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. Well, but I mean, that's my point is, if we pursue suing them, like, can they even come up with it? 
Exactly. That's what I'm dealing with too. That what I've heard is that you, I put a lien on, you know, the home. And as you guys know, uh, being well-versed in finances and mortgages and homes and what and such, the mortgage company gets first. So, mm. um, they're getting paid before you do, man. That, that is it. Uh, you know, so. Mike, 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 I'm so sorry you're going through this, man. This is just a bummer all around. I, we are not lawyers, but I hope you find a bulldog and you fight this thing and you call us back with some good news, man. We are wishing the best for you in this mold situation. This is The Ramsey Show. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. I'm George Camel, joined by Ken Coleman. We got a lot of fun stuff happening in the Ramsey Solutions store, including a new book from Jade Warshaw. It's a quick read called Money's Not a Math Problem. It comes out December 5th, and you can pre-order today for just 10 bucks. and you'll also get access to a live online Q&A with Jade. On top of that, our friend Rachel Cruz has released a wonderful kids book that is beautifully illustrated. It's called I'm Glad for What I Have. That's also available for pre-order now. And uh, the other things you can get on there is the new Goal Planner for 2024, featuring some of our Ramsey personality friends. And of course, we've got a Cyber Monday sale being extended because uh, we want to make sure you guys can get all your shopping done. And we've got our best deals of the year happening at RamseySolutions.com slash store. You'll also find my new book, Breaking Free from Broke, on there. Uh, questions for humans, conversation cards. There's just something for everyone. And so go check it out and uh, stock up for the year. I know a lot of you love to give out the total money makeover as gifts. I do that like, the, you know, I had a pest control guy over. We start talking about finances and I just, I always have them on hand to go, hey, here's a book. Right? This book changed my life. Uh, I hope it helps. Hey, uh, you know, shameless plug here. Don't forget your co-hosts, you know. You're starting out the new year. You're That's thinking right. about, hey, I want to do work. I finally want to pursue this work that I love. I want to chase the dream from paycheck to purpose, the Get Clear Career Assessment. Don't That's forget right. those products. And uh, many of the audiobooks are on sale for as low That's as right. five bucks. So if you prefer to right? listen to Ken. Five dollars? As low as. Man, I'm not making any money on that. Dave, what's he doing? Hey, listen, I don't call the shots, Ken. I just report the facts. That's fact. So RamseySolutions.com slash store is the place to go. Max is up next in Chicago, Illinois. Max, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Good afternoon, George. Ken, how are you guys? Doing well. Good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. What's going on? Uh, so my question is, um, and I, I called in about three years ago, and Dave just kind of hammered me, and I never really got an answer to my question. But that um, happens. I'm back in a similar situation. So okay, uh, basically, how do you handle financing uh, the retention of a lawyer, and obviously ongoing fees as you uh, go through, a, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Originally, it was a divorce. Now I'm going through, uh, you know, fighting over my kids. Um, so just how do you maintain that? I mean. I, I, I just blew through my, what I had saved as my emergency fund um, on the first lawyer. And it's like, now you're back to zero again. And uh, it's like, where do you go from there? I mean, they obviously wanted it immediately. So. How much have you spent so far in legal fees? So the divorce cost me 60. So I, I paid that all off back to, back to no debt, um, no credit cards. And, and that's how I got through that one was I ended up getting two credit cards, paid them all off, got back to zero, had eight grand, saved, um, heading towards my, you know, 25, uh, about 20 grand in emergency fund that I needed. And that immediately was gone. So I, I, I've just dropped about another 11, um, going into the second lawyer now since June. 
And is is this custody battle soon to be over? What's the timeline look like? I mean, is it just never ending? And there's not. There's not. And that's the the I guess issue with the system is is they tell you that it's over, but then anybody can go back to court and you know file fees or whatever and paperwork, and then it just obviously just compounds uh, time over time. Um, I mean. Uh, the divorce is bad enough, but when you're fighting over your kids, it's completely different. You know, so now, how how was your your ex partner dealing with all the legal fees? Because this seems never ending. Are they just trying to get you to where you give up because of the fees? Yeah, and basically, her I think hers are just being paid for by somebody else. So I don't think it's an issue for her. So um, obviously, it's an issue for me. So what are the ongoing legal fees per month? So initial, my first retainer um, was seventy five hundred, which, like I said, about wiped out what I had saved. Um, and then, obviously, you, you know, working through that—that's he's higher than normal, but um, became highly recommended. Had him since June. Uh, just really wasn't doing much for me, so went through that. Just hired another one, um, and this guy was thirty five hundred dollar retainer. And then, basically, once you get through that, you're getting hit with a thirty five hundred every time you go through it. So, um, so we're talking thirty five hundred yeah, so- a month. And it depends. I mean, like the seventy five hundred lasted um, five, so okay. Again, it depends what you're doing, how many times you're going to court, how much paperwork, how how, you know, how much contact you have with your lawyer, every phone call, every email. Um, I'm just trying to find an average here, so we can figure out how much you need every month in yeah. order to cover this, and how long you can go for at this point. And and that's I guess the hardest thing is you don't know because you know when I looked at that when I looked back at the divorce there's no way to track it because some months it was like very little. Um, and then other months as you're getting, you know, things sent in from the other side and then you having to respond to them and documentation and putting things together and meeting with your lawyer. Uh, then the next month is, you know, you've doubled what you spent the first month. So it's just, it's almost impossible to track. Well, is there an end in sight? Is there like a court date where we got the judge and I'm, I'm, you know, is there some end in sight on this as to when this gets resolved? I mean, at this point, it's gone on six months. We just extended it into almost January, um, and that's that's the other part of it. Is I think the lawyers need to have a come to Jesus meeting and go, guys, we got to come to a resolution here. Why? And, yeah. and obviously, the, the the downside is that they that she just wants me to give up, right? And it's my kids, so or just like find some compromise. It may not be, hey, one person got it all, and you know, what's the custody right now? So we settled after the divorce was settled at uh, 55, 45. Okay. And no child support. She made more than I did. No issue. Um, so, you know, lead three years forward, I'm making more than she is and she wants full custody and child support. So basically I would not see my kids at all. No, I listen, neither one of us are saying you don't fight for your kids. I'm not no, saying that. that. I, what I am saying no, is this kicking the can down the road. I think you've got some good instinct on this. Is she's trying to bleed you out. And so we stop that. So we fight that. We go, no, we're not doing this. We're not kicking it to January. What? Why do we need to? Why do we need to push it to January? You know, it's this is the deal. This is what the previous settlement is. I would be saying to your lawyer, to her lawyer, like we're not doing this. Let's get in front of a judge. The judge decides anyway. Well, we have yes. been three times. <laughs> That's part of the issue is that they just okay. We're going to follow up, and they, hey, it's, it, it can't be twenty days later. It's a month and a half later, and, you know, this is when they got time. And yeah, So the next hearing, so, I, yeah, trust me. So the next hearing is in January? Yeah, there'll be one that, that I will need to go to is in December, but it'll end up in January. 
Well, here's it's, it's just all right. So and, I I I don't want to get down this rabbit hole, but I think you got to fight, and I think George is right. You know, you you got to go. I have at least a ballpark, and I think you tell your lawyer, look, this is what I can do. This is realistic. I don't need to. You know, we don't have to respond to everything. If the next thing in front of the judge is then, then that's what we do. Like at some point, you got to take control of this. As to much as much as you can, and financially, you got to go work. Yeah, you, you might go need make- to go get an ex- an extra job just to cover these fees, but do not go into debt, uh, especially compounding month over month, to try to resolve yeah. this for the next year. That's, That's right. not a solution. So, how much do you make? Uh, it'll be about about one twenty this year. Okay. So I would just factor this into the budget, take the average of what you've been paying. Maybe you just divide it out over the how many months you've had a lawyer. And all right, I really need to be budgeting about 1500 That might mean I need to cut expenses. That might mean I need to go get an extra job in order to cover this through January. But be honest with your lawyer and say, that's it. After January, I'm tapped out, man. We got to come to a resolution here. And I know that that's, it's, it's easy to say from the desk, but we also can't just kick this another six months. Because you're going to be sixty grand in debt trying to pay this off for the next three years. Again, yeah, I, I follow you. So okay. I wish we had a better answer, Max. It stinks. There's not really a you know a beautiful magic scenario we can just lay out here that solves all of this. This is just messy, and this is what it looks like when you know marriage becomes a business transaction and things get you know what irritates me, George. The lawyers they ought to go before the judge and go. Hey, Judge, we know you're the final say on this. What do you need from us? This gentleman, this this gentleman can't keep doing this. We don't like at some point the judge has got to have some stinking common sense yeah. and go, and go here's we're what not we're gonna doing. break somebody financially over a custody battle. Yeah. Doesn't seem like this is hairy enough to warrant all this garbage. No, sir. Come on. Where's our common I'm, decency? I'm just glad I'm not a lawyer, Ken. I think we're in the right field. Although you would have made a great lawyer in another life. It's not too late, Ken. Okay, it's great. not too late. Thank Things you. don't go well for you here. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> hey, that puts this hour of the Ramsey Show in the books. I'm George Camel. He's Ken Coleman. We'll be back.